0: Welcome to the 300th episode of Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. Thank you all so much for downloading and sharing and supporting this little show for the past six years. Get Up in the Cool recently passed a million downloads, which is wild because because this is an old-time music podcast. What the hell? I couldn't have predicted that back in 2016 when I got started, but here we are. Now, normally every hundredth episode, I have a guest host interview me, but I feel like we could use at least another hundred episodes before that'll feel fresh and needed again. But I still want to celebrate episode 300. So this week's special guest on Get Up In The Cool is Bruce Molsky. We recorded this at Wintergrass back in February. Get Up in the Cool is brought to you in part by Earful of Fiddle. This week, Earful of Fiddle is offering an in-person music and dance camp at beautiful Camp Brethren Heights in Central Michigan on June 19th through the 23rd, 2022. During its 14th year, Earful of Fiddle will provide instruction in percussive dance, fiddle, guitar, banjo, cello, and uke, along with evening concerts, jams, and dances. Instructors include Jake Blunt, Laurel Primo, Rachel Reeds, Lindsay McCaw, Cameron DeWitt, Ruby John, Bruce Bowman, Nick Garris, Tyler Schwartz, and more. To register, visit earfuloffiddle.com. I just want to add my own personal testimonial really quick, because this is the last Earful ad that I'm going to run this year. I love Earful of Fiddle. I went there in 2019, and I taught online in 2020, and both were just lovely Experiences, and I can't wait to go back this year. So if you're considering attending a trad music and dance camp this summer, come to this one. It's so lovely, I hope to see you there. Now, Get Up In The Cool gets the occasional awesome sponsor like Earful Of Fiddle, but this show is by and large listener funded. Shout out to B.B. Bowness, bluegrass banjoist extraordinaire, and Get Up in the Cool's newest supporter on Patreon. Thanks so much, BB. I'm humbled and Starstruck. <laughs> Anyone else who wants to help fund this podcast can sign up at patreon.com slash up in the cool link in the show notes. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Bruce Molski, but first here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. That's a fun one. <laughs> Bruce Mosky. welcome to Get Up in the Cool.
1: Thank you, Cameron. It's good to be here.
0: <laughs> I've been doing this show for about six years, and I've wanted to have you on this show for six years. I feel like I'm finally ready, and apparently <laughs> you're finally ready as oh, well. yeah. So, cool. This is great. <laughs> it's
1: great. It's nice to meet you. Yeah. In this corporate environment of, yes. a, of a meeting room in a convention hotel that we're sitting in.
0: Yeah. Let me, <laughs> uh, let me adjust my tie real quick. Yeah. Uh, What's that tune we just played?
1: That was uh, Dandy Jim, and uh, I learned it from the fiddler Clyde Davenport, who was from Kentucky. And um, when I, I guess I heard him play it at the Festival of American Fiddletunes in Port Townsend years and years ago when he was there.
0: I was unaware that they ever brought Clyde Davenport out. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it Very was good. quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you want to tell us how long ago it was?
1: I, I can't remember if I, if I could remember the year. I I would, um, but uh, probably the mid nineties. Mid nineties. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How old was he at the time? Wasn't he well, about a hundred when he, he was uh, recently? And that
1: was probably three years ago. Yeah. So do the math. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> listeners, write in if you figure out the math. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Uh, whenever I've heard. Clyde Davenport speak, he seems like a, um, a person who derives pleasure from being a bit curmudgeonly and grumpy, and uh, <laughs> he seems like he enjoys it. Not in a mean way, but in a like... He's always saying, I never learned nothing from nobody, and stuff. Right, and I can't play. And I can't play. And then he
1: picks up and plays beautifully, but...
0: Did he do I, that
1: when you saw him? I, I I have to say I never knew him very well, only only to meet him a couple of times. But that's that's the reputation he had.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: um, and if there's a there was a, a teaching video, I'm saying with air quotes, um, and the and the cover of it it was a VHS. It was pick a photo of his face up close with a pair of mirrored sunglasses on, and it was called Shades of Clyde. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I always thought that was just a really good... Mirrored sunglasses. Yeah. It, it just seemed to suit the whole thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's something about the... There, it seems like there's some sort of impenetrability.
1: I guess. Yeah yeah. 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 You have to ask somebody who knew him better. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I guess I'm curious, in this age of people reevaluating culture and cultural access and where they get the things <laughs> that they enjoy and participate in or yeah. make a career out of. I, I guess I'm curious to know what your old time origins are. Like where did you find this music and wow. Um,
1: that's a, these musics. Yeah. You know, uh, people like me who have been doing this a long time kind of you have to be careful that you're not reinventing your own story but after you've told it too many times
0: i would love to but, get up in the cool exclusive the new well, the new update of the story I, the,
1: well the story is just that I, I was a kid who grew up in 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 the big city and listened to the radio and at a time where there were not that many choices of radio stations to listen to but i was glued to the radio and as a result of there not being so many radio stations, all the different kinds of pop music got played. At you know, in the same venue, and and uh, folk music just you know I listened to all different kinds of things, and I still do. You know, my tastes have gotten way, way more broad over the years. But even then, you know, the Beatles were big. I liked them okay. The uh, hot take, <laughs> um, but I I I loved. R and B, Motown, what, yeah. what they now call old school, which is old old school,
0: um,
1: and uh, but all this other stuff would come across. I never even knew what a lot of it was until later. Like when I was a kid, um, there was a, a tune on, uh, there was a top ten tune called called The Israelites by Desmond Decker and the All Stars, and I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever heard. And it turned out it was ska, oh, but yeah. I didn't know what ska was. I never heard of that. I didn't know what it was until a long long time later. And one thing after the other came across, and of course that was the this was the, the '60s, and it was the civil rights era, and it was something that moved me even as a kid.
0: So how old were and, you in I guess at the start of the '60s?
1: Um, well, I was born in '55. Okay, I'm not okay. shy about my
0: age, you know.
1: Um, and so, uh, yeah, when when uh, when Dr. King was shot, I was a, a young teenager, yeah. and that that moved all of us. And and a lot of the music that you heard on the radio reflected those times in one way or the other, you know, um, Ronnie and the Ronettes did, uh, did dancing in the street, which was the most joyful and, and, you know, also dark sort of song, which a lot of people interpreted as being an invitation for rebellion. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, yeah. to me. Um, but all that's you know, uh, Musicians have very um, how I how do I want to say this? We have very weak filters for emotion. We're always sure. looking for meaning and stuff. Yeah, and I'm sure it's the same with you.
2: Yeah,
1: um, and that kind of stuff moved me. And so when music like Bob Dylan came across, that was very very basic and very in your face. And been the music, that music resonated with me. Mm. And even even. You might, i mean, this might predate you—but but, but uh, songs like "Eve of Destruction" by Barry McGuire.
0: I don't know this song. Yeah.
1: Don't you don't you believe we're on the eve of destruction? To hear that in in 1968 is kind of like, oh crap! Yeah. You know, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, but that—I mean—music always moved me in that kind of way, and so country music came along, and uh, I don't have any kind of you know cultural roots in it at all. But it just, it was very straightforward and the message was clear and and it was you'll talk to a lot of musicians who grew up in the cities and ran away that it was uh, it was an escape it was an opportunity for something that looked like it was simpler
0: Interesting, looked like it looked
1: like, yeah that's the qualifier Um, and so yeah so when I was uh, 19 I picked up and I'm moved to a log cabin in Virginia and froze my ass off. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, uh, and it was great, (laughs) you know, but that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the short version.
0: There's a a theme, a general theme on this show. Like it keeps coming up of people searching for authenticity and sort of projecting it onto this music and music's like it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Let's play another tune, but I'd be curious to hear what your perspective is on it now okay. in terms of simplicity or not. All right, all right. If,
1: and, and I have to say before we play, yeah. um, I think authentic or authenticity is a dangerous word. Yeah. You have to be careful how you use it.
0: Yeah, I'm <laughs> using it with full irony. You got it. But also, I, I mean it in earnest. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Cool. Let's, yeah, play well, let's talk
0: about that and Somehow <laughs> oh, we'll get yeah. you out of here on time Sounds good Yeah, what, what's next? Oh, I don't
1: know um, Let's play
0: I'll
1: play that Geese hawking. You yeah. know that tune? That's another Clyde tune, actually Yeah Kind That's of good. in that mode Clyde represented in here. And I haven't played it for Easily five years we're going to see how this goes
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. right, right. All right <clears throat>
0: On ending, not. It's always hard to tell. Are we yeah. having nice eye contact, or are yeah. we wrapping up? I think it's We're all good. Right.
1: Well, listeners <laughs> don't see it, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's all good. And I've been nice to play with you.
0: Likewise, yeah, I love, I love that tune. I, I typically, in this style of tune, mm-hmm. I hear people playing in sharp keys, right. playing in keys where the, the the tonic is one of the open strings, and uh, I love. Clyde's flat flat key tunes, done mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked on Eck Robertson's "Done for quite a while. Ah, so, so really, good. You know, it's a great tune too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all that, all the flat key stuff, East Texas serenaders. I listen to a lot of them, but I'm not. I I wouldn't call myself. A flat, if there's such a thing as a flat key fiddler it sounds like a category but I don't, I don't play a whole lot of that stuff I have to <laughs> think really hard <laughs> to
2: do it
0: uh, so I've heard that tune called Wild Goose Chase and Geese Honking might be okay great. Yeah. I was wondering if you knew if there was like an official one or if it's just I don't know any process of the title yeah. Nah. yeah, that's just one I caught out of the air yeah I feel like if we asked Clyde, then we wouldn't maybe get a straight answer. But. Sadly, we can't. But yeah. 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 Well, you were going to warn us all about authenticity uh, <laughs> as a concept. And I would love to hear. I wasn't trying to,
1: to <laughs> finger wag, load my gun or anything. But No, no. I think, uh, you know, um, authenticity kind of falls in, in kind of the category of things that it's dangerous to put things in a box, and when you say something is authentic, it, you you run the risk of also mean, of meaning that there's a right and a wrong to how to do it. Yeah, and it's something I've thought about really hard in my own playing and my own expression, and, and you know, being an outsider and 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 embracing this music, which comes with a <laughs> a culture attached to it, which is not yeah. my culture. Yeah. And, you know, like, what do you do with that? You can either make it a really objective kind of exercise, so like here are the sounds, here are the frequencies, here are the timbres, these, this is the repertoire, this is what you do. And, and you can suck the life out of it completely like that. Yeah. Or yeah. you can really dig deep into the uh, into the sources and the people who played it and try to know a little bit about them and try to know them a little bit. And I'm old enough to have been lucky enough to meet some Yeah. and, uh, and try to understand, you know, how they're, what, what kind of informed and motivated their desire to play.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm curious um, in your interactions with them in person, uh, the sources and people from the community who maybe weren't recorded. Mm -hmm. Um, if you encountered, uh, any resistance, um, or any, what we now, you know, refer to as gatekeeping and how you received that. If, you know, if you did receive any of that,
1: I never, I never sensed that very much, uh, directly at me. I always heard that from other people. Like, interesting. Um, and of course, a lot of your listeners have probably heard this famous story about Tommy Jarrell and and uh, <clears throat> sitting with several musicians who were all from the north and from other places and who were all really slavishly trying to play like he played. Yeah. And and him looking up at one point, and I kind of confirmed that this story was true with with Hank Sopasnick, Henry Sopasnick, who was there. And Tommy looked up at everybody and said, "Don't you people have your own music?" Yeah. You know. <laughs> you probably heard this before but you know it, it's kind of a lesson in that and
0: i'm i'm glad to hear it's not just full time apocrypha that it actually no, happened it, yeah.
1: apparently apparently
0: and so. that's why i i've also heard that that's like why uh, henry sposnik got into playing is it klezmer music he
1: not only played klezmer music he became the, the one of the main klezmer scholars he ran the yeah. uh, he, he he ran the there's a center for that in Madison, Wisconsin. He was the chief of that for a long time, and he comes from a you know his father or his grandfather was a was a cantor hmm. in the synagogue, and and uh, he discovered his roots. I have the same kind of roots he does. My great grandfather was a cantor, but I honestly, I don't have any interest in it. Yeah, what can I say? You know, you There's a lot of to
0: pick from. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we all have.
1: <laughs> Which one are we going to lead into? Yeah, the one that makes sense. Yeah. Or that seems to make sense at the moment. It's all fluid too. Fluidity
0: is important. Fluidity is important. I'm learning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. you did, you didn't necessarily get any resistance or pushback. Did Not you get any much, no. guiding of like about maybe your playing or the way that that maybe was a little more nuanced? Like, hey. Have you considered bowing this way or...
1: No, not, none of the old timers I met were were teachers in that way. Yeah. You know, um, the, you just, if they were kind enough to play with you and encourage you, you just sit there and catch what you can. Yeah. You know, but I never, the, the closest thing I ever had to a fiddle lesson, and I'm, I'm a self-taught musician, um, was getting dropped off at Tommy Jarrell's house the first time I met him yeah. in 1975. And uh, by my friend Steve Roberts, who went to buy groceries and, and whose car broke down, and Tommy didn't have a phone, and so uh, I ended up at his house all day, and we just played tunes all day. Yeah. And I would only been playing fiddle a short time at that point, and and it wasn't a lesson. I could refer to it as a lesson, but sure. but you know he'd slow things down. He'd tell me when I was wrong. Yeah, that was kind of it. And you're not doing that right. Yeah, you know, do this. You know, and uh, and that was that was a. That was a big lesson. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but beyond that, not much. I mean, I was lucky enough to play with people who uh, you just read their facial expression and just fee- see what the music feels like.
0: Um, that's, a,
1: that's, that's important. That's just big,
0: reading yeah. the room. Am I yeah. doing something that seems to be nice for the people around me? <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, in 1982, I played in a pickup band at the Mount Airy Fiddlers convention with uh, Paul Sutphin, the guitar player with the Camp Creek Boys and Verlin Clifton, who was also in that band, Mandolin Player. And uh, and just, you know, I didn't get any specific anything from that, but just the excitement and being renamed by Paul Sutphin, who couldn't remember my name, he called me that boy. So I, I became that boy for a while. Um, but just, you know, you could, he was, he was very generous and he was a really sweet, nice guy. Mm. Um, but he also had a very strong sense of what he thought the music should sound like. And when it was rocking and he'd give you that look, you knew it, yeah. you knew it. And he'd, he'd make these little vocalizations. <laughs> you could tell. So then, then you, that was your way of knowing you were not doing it wrong.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Uh, I know some people who it's like a little more ambiguous, Uh, Like, playing with Jake Blunt when he is um, annoyed at something that I'm doing uh, when playing with him, or when he's pleased, Mm -hmm. it's the same exact expression. And I'm like...
1: Oh, that helps.
0: Yeah, I'm going to keep okay, I'm going to keep doing it and (laughs) hope that you like it. Well, that's
1: confidence building too. Yeah. Because, by God, I know I'm doing it right. I don't care what your facial expression is. This is me. Live with me.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Some people are, you know, really communicative in that way and some people you just, you develop a a, a, a relationship as players together and you read their body language even if it's subtle. Yeah. You know, um, I like to, communicate with people when I play I like to toss the melody back and forth I like to hear there where they are with the rhythm and you know you and I have never played together before no. and this is great because I, I can tell that you hear me and I'm trying to hear you and and, uh, and if we did this together for a while longer you know you find each other you get comfortable with things and you move on to the next yeah. level of, of paying attention
0: it's like conversation Yeah, verbal yeah. conversation
1: Um, And I've I've been lucky enough to have that kind of comfortable relationship with a lot of musicians over the years. To me, that's part of the gift. That's the beautiful thing about this music. You know, it's it's conversation without the encumbrance of words, in a way. You know, these fiddle tunes, we play them over and over and over again because they take us to a
0: place, you know. Yeah, the encumbrance of words. I want to think about that. Maybe while we play another tune, and I want to ask you more questions about, as someone who has a music career, Mm. uh, how to balance enjoying music while also depending on it, and and also having continuing to have relationships with it. I feel like that's a whole segment, and I'm trying to get you out of here so you can go to your next whatever. (laughs) You're you're a busy
1: man this weekend. I I make myself busy. It's my own fault.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, and we got some time. Let's speaking of. Language and all that stuff Let's Try a Nordic tune
0: Yeah let me I think I was going to play this one In a different tuning So let me okay. get into that Okay Yeah
1: yeah go for it And in fact I got to retune my fiddle tune
0: So what is the name of this tune? It's
1: Knut Ramlitz Hambo <laughs> Knut um, Ramlitz Hambo um, And uh, it, I learned it from My friend and colleague Anna Negland Who's a, a Fantastic Hardanger Fiddle player mm-hmm. I perform with We've done some recordings together We've been friends for a long time and he specializes in the music of a certain region of Norway that's near the Swedish border yeah. that has a lot of microtonality into it and, and yeah. uh, really interesting tunes yeah, so, some notes that I don't have uh, that you don't have my friend advantage yeah. of <laughs> yeah. you have speed bumps and I don't
0: so, <laughs> let's play this tune and then I would love to hear you explain why we're playing a Nordic tune and why you sure. have a relationship to that music yeah, so. yeah.
1: yeah. happy to alright, let's do this Uh, We should start it in the, in the, the proper way.
0: Good one. Are those Nordic potatoes? Uh, they like to lead into
1: a lot of the tunes <laughs> like that, especially when especially when you have two fiddlers. Yeah, it's kind of a way of finding each other.
0: Off <laughs> to practice that. You do be a little harder on this. You need <laughs> a bow. <Yeah. laughs> so cool. You spent some time in Norway, right?
1: Uh, Norway and Sweden, and Sweden. Denmark, <laughs> Finland. I, I love the Nordic countries. Yeah.
0: What brought you over there? Was it music specifically? Or?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I guess my first interest came when I met... Uh, I, the first professional music tour I ever went on was in 1994. It was called Fiddles on Fire. It was... Uh, England and it was actually England and Scotland but I didn't make it to the Scottish part of the tour because I still had a day job and my vacation time was, was limited but uh, but it was fiddlers from all these different countries and I was inv- invited to kind of be the American guy and uh, turned out to be some of the really great players I didn't even realize it at the time Kevin Burke was on that tour and Alistair Frazier who's become a very close friend over the years and and uh, K. Shiv Kumar, who was a South Indian classical violinist, uh, Chris Woods, who's now more better known as a singer-songwriter, but was a, is a great fiddler. And uh, who am I missing? Jean Francois Vau from it's a, France. Eclectic mix. Yeah, and a couple from Sweden, Elika Frizell and Monsidian. And I had never heard Swedish music in my life. And every evening, we, we, we do each of us would do a 15, 20-minute set of our stuff, and then we had a yeah. big crash-bang finale at the end. But uh, the first time Elika and Mats got up and and uh, played this duet music, I almost fell over. It mm. I, I was just so beautiful. I remember this really clearly. Um, Elika and Mats got up, and they played the, the Swedish double fiddle or triple fiddle tradition is a really powerful thing, you know, there's a lot of resonance, a lot of music, harm, you know, the harmony kind of things leaning into each other.
2: Yeah,
1: They played this tune, and, I, and, and they played it every night in the tour, most nights, and when I got home, I tried to learn it, and first of all, I learned it in completely the wrong time signature, because it was a polska, which for your listeners who may not be familiar with Swedish polskas there's lots of different kinds but this is, what I call them asynchronous Pulskas because the, it's a three beat it's in 3-4 but the second beat is variable and um, and so I tried to learn and I, learned, and I figured out how to play it in 4-4 four, four, and it was completely wrong because it always it, it ended at the wrong
2: yeah. spot at the time <laughs> and it just wasn't
1: right um, I finally found out that It was a tune that that particular tune was one that Ellika wrote with the specific purpose of being complicated.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) And she wrote it because she was studying uh, South Indian classical music with Shiv Kumar, who was also on the tour. Yeah. Who had accused her of, uh, of, accused Swedish music of being simplistic, which it's not. For, and she to took this, that yeah. as an umbrage you know she took that as an umbrage and uh and so she wrote this tune yeah. and she wrote it in the scale of a of a Indian rock called Hamsadwani yeah and uh and utterly complicated piece of music yeah. and I spent the next 15 years trying to learn to play it and I can play it now but uh but anyway that was my my entree to Scandinavian music so it was completely wrong but but as a result of that I I had the opportunity to tour with her and, um, and a fantastic, uh, player from Senegal named solo Sissoko, cool. who died about three years ago, sadly. Hmm. And, uh, they had a beautiful kind of confluence of, of musical styles and I played with them recorded with them. And in fact, um, uh, I'll tell your listeners, I have a new guitar CD out. I, I, I arranged, one of, the, one of the pieces in particular for
0: guitar yeah is that picture in that book list from yeah. everywhere you go that's that trio that's us yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. I remember seeing a picture that matched the descriptions that I would imagine what those folks uh-huh. might look like yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so I started traveling over there and uh, met various people I taught at the um, On On who whose tune we just played he was a professor at the uh, the Rowland uh it, it's a, well, it, it's a music college in Telemark, in Norway. And, uh, and I met a lot of players through there. And uh, Anbir Lien is a Norwegian, incredible Norwegian hardanger player who was very groundbreaking um, when she first started out. And uh, so I ended up touring with her and um, some recording. And I just one thing kind of leading to another, the group Vessin, who's, you know, we're here at Wintergrass right now. They were regulars here for mm-hmm. a long. They didn't. They're not here this year. Um, I've done some work with them. I just love the music, yeah. you know. And I love the, you know, they have a really strong music community. The countries are not so big that everybody doesn't know everybody else, right? Right. And uh, and so yeah, um, my interest in in Scandinavian music, just generally, nor I should say Nordic music because that includes Finland. Um, really uh kind of trend it 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 reflects in my own playing even of american tunes anymore yeah and to me that's one of the beauty parts of all this
2: yeah
1: is um the kind of tonality and expression in those musics this it's all it's osmosis it just kind of gets into your playing i'm sure it's true with your playing too things are things that are not related to old-time music
2: they creep the in, in.
1: Yeah. I remember coming I remember the end of a concert one time a woman coming up to me and said uh, she said I really enjoyed your show I never realized how much old time music sounds like Swedish music and I was kind of like <laughs> no it doesn't don't take that from me that's just because I listen to it all. yeah
2: <laughs> you know
1: but that's the folk process and that's how things evolve yeah and that's how I think that we find our way into other cultures once again without having to tell a story in words If the music resonates, there you go, you know. I've had a lot of those kind of experiences with different cultures, playing with the group Mosaic, which is uh, two of the founding members of the group, Planxty, who revolutionized, you know, Irish music in the the kind of folk revival that happened there at the same time our folk revival was happening here. um, They're seeing the relationship uh, of Irish and Scottish music, and it and and how it's affected American music. You know, it's all just one big mishmash out there. You just have to find the stuff that makes sense to you and 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 pull it in and listen, and and it's beautiful.
0: You yeah. know. So we have time for a couple more tunes, but mm-hmm. before we do, maybe a, a, a tune from your new album. Sure. I wanted to pick up a thread from earlier where I was like. Uh, asking for uh, advice. Okay. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe this wouldn't just be personal, but maybe this is for people who aren't necessarily music career oriented, but are trying to juggle their passions and trying to figure out what their relationship to music is socially, personally, uh, career wise. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I was wondering if you could speak on the way that your relationship with music in general, but maybe specifically old time music has grown since you got into it as a child and started teaching it to yourself and now, you know, you come to Wintergrass and you're running all around and, and you're working really hard. And mm-hmm. I'm curious it's a job. Yeah, it's your job. And I'm I'm curious how have you made that sustainable
1: I mean as a career? As
0: a no, no, I'm not asking necessarily for career advice. I'm asking for soul advice, you know, because sometimes when you monetize the thing, with your, your mm-hmm. passion, you know. Okay,
1: get, uh, I, I, I'm hearing gentle. your question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. I ask myself, uh, and it's a question I revisit every once in a while, um, which is why I do this. Yeah. You know, and and having been, you know, uh, uh, music wasn't my initial career to make a living. I was a, I worked in building construction. I was an engineer Mm. and, uh, and I worked for a brilliant, uh, one of the company owners was a brilliant guy. And he used to always say, there's a a hierarchy of, of things that you have to consider when you're trying to accomplish a task, finish a project. This was project work that we did. We built buildings. Um, you have to know what it is you're trying to do. And this kind of sounds stupid, but it's not. What, do you, what is it you're trying to do? Followed by why you're trying to do it. Yeah. Followed by how to do it. Yeah. Right? Followed by all the other stuff that is not really related. Budget schedules, deadlines. Well, they are important. But but um, I'm always aware of what it is I'm trying to do and why. and And it all has to focus on... Playing music that I believe in and engaging the audience. Yeah. If you can't do that, then all the other stuff is a wasted effort. And and you know, a lot of people get get way too involved on in how to do things. Yeah. You know, I asked uh, some musician friends when I was thinking about breaking away and doing this as my full time gig. You know, what should I do? And uh, I asked. John Hartford, who was a pal. Um, I asked uh, Kevin Burke and Alistair Fraser late one night in a residence bar in Northern England after we'd had a few pints of scotch ale. And uh, and another time I asked Martin Hayes. And they all came up with similar sorts of answers, which were, you know, um, I forget which one of them said it, but said, be true to the music. yeah, And if it's meant to succeed, it will yeah and yeah. and sure you gotta be a little bit of an entrepreneur, but what's the you know I've been at wintergrass like pounding away at all these different sets all weekend. What gives me the greatest pleasure is seeing uh people respond to what I do, yeah and drawing them into my space yeah. you know um and so and and so that's if I had any advice to give, it's pretty general advice it's just be sure you know what it is you're trying to to
0: accomplish, you know. Yeah, that is a question that I think people maybe ignore. They skip to the how. Yeah, that's a a great flowchart. Useful (laughs) for all sorts of situations, probably. I guess. So it sounds like you are nurturing, maybe first, your relationship with music. Mm -hmm. and uh, That's always the priority. That has to be the the foundation. You're... Mm -hmm. It being a pleasure-oriented thing. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, what well, you know, why else do it? I
0: agree. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> I don't play music to make people miserable, yeah. although I'm sure I've done that. <laughs>
0: that's its own kind of pleasure. Right, right. <laughs> Making
2: people miserable.
0: <laughs> well, will you please play a guitar? Yeah. number? Ooh. From your new album, I'm so excited to listen to it. I got the CD from you yesterday, mm-hmm. and I don't have I don't have a CD player with me. Oh, I didn't bring my 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 Discman. <laughs> so.
2: yeah. Well,
1: that that's that's the thing with uh, yeah. CDs these days. You know, not a lot of people listen to it. But I this we put this recording out on, on a label called Tiki Parlor. Yeah, and uh, part of the aesthetic of this label is visual and and uh and the guy who runs it is a great musician himself David Bragger. um has a really strong kind of sense of how he likes the uh likes the artwork to be and um I actually uh engaged a dear old friend of mine Megan Merker to, to do the artwork on our stuff
0: yeah it's and, it's uh, beautiful
1: These, I'm really proud of the pack the the, 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 the Visual pack. i proud of the music too, but yeah.
0: and there's a great booklet with uh, you know a, a story with every with every tune and pictures. Yeah. And you can get a picture of Little Bruce. That really, the scary, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, It was great. I'm so, so glad uh, I have this. Um, and I don't say that about CDs very often. So. <laughs> get the physical media. Yeah, yeah. In this, <laughs> this case. time.
1: Um, and, and it's really, there are little stories to go each each tune. It's kind of a musical memoir yeah. for me, you know. Let me get this new tune. And first tune of the day. Okay. So, here's a piece. In in the late 90s, I went to the Smithsonian Folklife Festival in Washington, D.C., where we were living at the time. <clears throat> and uh, there was a group of people uh, up from Peru, uh, and they were indigenous people. They were the Winos. They sp- spoke a language called Quechua, and uh, I got to kind of meet some of them because of John Cohen, who was playing with the New Lost City Ramblers yeah. there at that time, but who also uh, he was a visual artist and a photographer, and he and a textile professor at for State University of New York, and he had visited. Uh, this community in Peru
0: they're known for their textiles yeah
1: right? incredibly beautiful yeah. stuff um, and uh, mm-hmm. he had spent time with them like in the early 1960s or something and so he went there with his photographs and sat with some of the people that were visiting and it was a, an incredible visit apparently because they were recognizing family you know relatives that had that had died relatives that had seen pictures of of people that they hadn't scene you know and made this great connection and but th- but they did this beautiful dance and this beautiful music um, it was really kind of heartfelt and so I bought a I mean we just kind of observed but I but I bought a couple of recordings and uh, and it's just beautiful music it has a really interesting form of its own and I just took one of I took mm. an accordion piece and and uh, just oh, arranged cool. it for guitar so uh, once again you know, screwing up tradition <laughs> but it's called uh, tostando cancho and I'm told by my friend Carla Gover who speaks Spanish and I don't um, that it means toasted coconut oh, so
2: very good <laughs>
0: crooked uh, or it feels crooked
1: it's <laughs> anything if you do anything long enough it yeah. doesn't feel crooked anymore
0: sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow I'm really excited to hear the rest of this album
1: well I just hope you enjoy it I'm proud of it it's music from all over the world
0: yeah. where do people get it
1: um, <clears throat> they can get it uh, from my website brucemolsky.com we have a store there Get it through the tiki parlor, spelled yeah. British way. P A R L O U R. I guess uh, it will be. Well, the release date was yesterday, so it'll be out there on streaming services. I should say that if anybody's thinking about buying a physical copy and supporting artists, it's better to buy them through the artists. Yeah. And in this case, through the label. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that's a that's a whole other conversation to have, but. Uh, I'm as you know I use the streaming services as much as anybody but I also try to support artists who are out there you know the, the, the reality of music listening these days is that people listen through kind of crummy ear pods not in any particular sequence but you know most musicians put a lot of time and effort into creating recordings that sound good yeah you know in studio situations which are not
0: cheap yeah and uh, it's nice to be able to recoup
2: <laughs> Absolutely
0: Yeah I, I, I personally Enjoy doing the, the Like one two punch Of buying the album And then streaming it uh, So that you can get Those pennies You know still Right Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do the same Yeah Do the same yeah. You
1: know And, and the, the, the The value of Recorded music Is such a moving Target anymore Yeah you know, I, uh, I don't know if you're Familiar with Jamie Stone Yes. And Jamie uh, does some really great projects. And we're, from time to time, we send each other music to listen to. I'm really, I love uh, African finger-style guitar. Mm-hmm. He sent me a recording of somebody recently, um, George Maccabi. I'd never heard of him. Really beautiful stuff. So I went to find the CDs so I could buy them. And what was interesting to me, and I bought them, and they're beautiful. What was interesting to me is that you can go up on websites now and you can listen to the entire CD on their website
2: yeah.
1: um, without buying it at all, yeah. you know. But I thought, you know, Mississippi Records, not a big label. And I know that they're, you know, that they're doing it. It's a labor of love mm-hmm. for music. You know, who's going to listen to music? How many, how many CDs of music of the 1950s from Ghana are you going to, you know, how many are they going to sell? And, and these outfits need to be supported. Yeah, yeah there's a whole the whole economy the music economy is a very weird thing anymore.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the larger economy is weird enough. The music economy yeah. is what are we even doing? So. Yeah. yeah, so well, thank, yeah. thank you for saying that.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's a little bit of a plug, but it goes for anybody whose music you like.
2: Yeah,
1: um, there's a lot of people are doing d- different things in different ways. There's Patreon, and I, I don't, which I don't do, but I think is a great thing. Lots of ways to, to to get it out there So, you know if it, I, I'd love to be able to say That I can make my priority playing good music Yes And not have to worry about that other stuff As much
0: Yeah <laughs> so Release you to keep doing the thing that you do By buying your album mm-hmm. uh, Everywhere You Go Yes yeah. On Tiki Parlor Records the, the title, I'm not saying Everywhere You Bruce Yes <laughs> And uh, BruceMalski. dot com to look for tour dates, right? And probably social media, uh,
1: Facebook, uh, Instagram. You know, all those places we spend too much time.
0: Yeah, but if you are going to be there,
1: at least figure out when
0: Bruce is playing near you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I make it worth it. <laughs> I am kind of. I am back
1: to you know. It's it's been a challenging couple of years. I mean that's. Yeah saying something that doesn't need to be said. But yeah. but I'm getting back to touring, like a lot of people are. Yeah. And uh, I've got some concerts related to this CD release and some projects I've, I'm working with. Uh, well, I was here at Wintergrass uh, with Michael Daves. And uh, should have been Tony Trishka, but he couldn't mm-hmm. make it. But he's, he's, he's fine.
0: Still a fantastic show with uh-huh. other special friends that came
1: up oh gosh it was tried over, to fill the shoes over oh we well <laughs> yeah but we had you know we had daryl yeah. anger and and caleb clowder from foghorn yeah and the caleb clowder country band last night and then night before that we had uh, we had mike block and uh and i'm blanking allison allison, allison the, allison, the yeah. group my wonderful banjo player allison and i played together for years uh, you rarely, really get to see each other. Uh, that was really, really special. Mm. So, um, yeah, just getting out there and kind of making believe everything is okay, and yeah, see what happens. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Thanks, Bruce, for making time and your busy winter grass regardless of whether that's self-imposed business or not i appreciate this time Uh, i had a blast playing teams with you and talking with you
1: my pleasure and nice to meet you and yeah and uh i'm sure that'll
0: happen again yeah we met in two dimensions for the um i forget the georgia the georgia on my mind Mm. uh back in december for the Uh runoffs, uh and it was so great to hear you play then and um it's even even better in dimensions well thanks
1: thanks good to play some tunes I appreciate okay.
0: it what should we do for our last one we oh, talked uh, about Kennedy Rag.
1: yeah how about the Kennedy want to do that yeah can't beat a Stripling Brothers tune no
2: <laughs>
1: here goes
0: Visit Bruce Malski's website, brucemalski.com, to buy his new guitar album everywhere you go and check his tour dates. And make sure to follow him on Instagram and Facebook. I put links to all that in the show notes for this episode. Just swipe around in your podcast app. Thanks again to Earful of Fiddle Music and Dance Camp for sponsoring this episode. Sign up for their camp this June in Michigan at earfuloffiddle.com. You can support Get Up In The Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up In The Cool's merch store visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional claw hammer banjo series, or just schedule a lesson with me. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box set available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool.